In the Byzantine liturgy for Vespers of the Feast of the Apostles, there is an antiphon that tells us what an apostle is. It says, Leaving the fish beneath the waters, O holy apostle, you were impelled to use the hook of the cross to catch the nations, and you fish souls from the depths of ignorance with the net of truth. The imagery is poetic, but it describes with perfect accuracy and theological insight the vocation of an apostle. This Sunday's passage from the Gospel of Luke puts flesh to that antiphon when it depicts the calling of the apostles, Peter, James, and John, in the context of a miraculous catch of fish. The opportunities for homilizing on this passage could be endless, or maybe I should should say it could be an opportunity for an endless homily, uh, on the call to priestly and religious life or vocation to marriage and family life. But the gospel is not primarily a, or primarily a vocation story. I know this because of the liturgical context in which we proclaim the readings. The word is in the plural, readings. The gospel is paired with the first reading from the prophet Isaiah. And this means that we are meant to hear Luke's words with the voice of Isaiah echoing in our ears. And if we do that, if we listen to Luke through the medium of Isaiah, we will discover that the readings are not about how, when, or where someone answers a call from God. It is about the God who does the calling. To explain that, I have to briefly mention another kind of call, a phone call. A few years ago, I took a call from a man who described himself as an ordained Presbyterian minister. He told me that he had a Ph.D. in theology from Harvard Divinity School, but that he was president, or presently the CEO of a firm that offered spirituality services, counselings, retreats, workshops, to Wall Street corporations. He explained that companies hired his consulting firm because studies showed that people who had a spiritual life made better employees. Statistics showed that they had a lower absentee rate, worked harder, had better health, and were generally more reliable. He told me that over the upcoming weekend, he was taking his sta- the staff of a Wall Street banking firm on a retreat in New Jersey. Looking for some fresh ideas, he stumbled on our website. What kind of meditation techniques do Benedictine monks used, he asked. I took a deep breath and explained that we didn't teach meditation techniques. Contemplation, contemplative life, deep prayer can't be engineered. Spirituality is not a marketable commodity corporate America can use to get more productivity from their employees. The goal of the spiritual life isn't to be more efficient, it's to be holy. There was a moment of awkward silence on the other end of the line, and for a moment I thought maybe the connection had been broken. And then he said, to become holy? Really? They never taught me this at Harvard. I kindly suggested that he should 
ask Harvard Divinity School for a full tuition refund. The ancient world, the world of Moses, Aaron, Jeremiah, and Isaiah, the the word holy was not a replacement for goodness or moral righteousness. The Hebrew word for holy is kadosh. It meant separate, to be cut off from, or to be set apart. In Isaiah 6, the seraphim sing that God is three times kadosh. That signals that there is no mistaking God for anything that we are familiar with. He is all that we are not. Holiness is both God's essence and his existence. The first reading is the setting of Isaiah's call to be a prophet. It's like the scene from The Wizard of Oz. You know what I'm talking about when Dorothy meets the wizard. There are jets of fire and smoke and a voice proclaiming, I'm Oz the All-Powerful, and Dorothy quakes before it all. Isaiah's first response to the revelation of this otherworldly God is a sense of his own personal danger. He is a creature standing before the Creator whose otherness is so great, Isaiah fears he will be consumed by it. Now, jump ahead to the Gospel. What Isaiah encountered in the terrifying vision in the temple, the apostles meet in a man on a beach at the end of a frustrating night looking for fish. At Jesus' suggestion, and despite their better judgment, they lower their nets and haul a miraculous catch of fish. Peter responds to this in the same way as Isaiah, with an awareness of his own sinfulness before the Lord. From that moment onward, the lives of Simon and his friends are completely changed. They are hooked, caught like fish in the net of the apostle. There's no point Uh, I'm sorry, well, there is a point to these two readings, and you you don't need a Ph.D. from a Harvard uh, or Ivy League school to figure it out. Holiness belongs to God alone, but it reaches out to invite human beings to share in it. Isaiah, the apostles, the saints that populate eternity, you and me, all the baptized have received a vocation to be conformed to the Lord Jesus Christ and to his image and bringing that image to the world. And that's why, just before the Eucharistic prayer, we sing, Santus, 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 Holy, 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 Kadosh, Kadosh, Kadosh. The holiness of God in the, in the presence of Christ upon the altar reaches out to invite us into his goodness, his mercy, his holiness and love. We're hearing this liturgy tell us in the depths of winter that those who have been baptized in Christ, married, single, young, old, priest, religious, we all share in a democracy of grace as God's living kadosh in and for the world.